You know, there's such a uh, newness here. There's such a, uh, I don't know, just not that I'm not being critical, but just seems like a new fresh breath. And you can sense it here. You can see the anointing all over Pastor Jordan, the pastor. Have such a heart for people, him and his wife. And I'm telling you, you know, you got a prophet. You got a pastor. Man, you're loaded. How blessed are you? Yeah, real blessed. But it just, you know, I was just sitting there thinking about Pastor Jordan, you know, when we came 26 years ago, he was just a little guy running around. To see him grow up to be the man of God he is just blesses me. Just blesses me. He didn't go off, do something crazy in the world and go off and do something else with his life, but he's fulfilling the plan of God. Man, what a blessing. And then just think there's a whole nother generation coming up of refreshing and newness and life and hallelujah. Man, I tell you, that ought to thrill you. You know, you, you, you don't want to get stuck in what was. You want to look at what's coming. You know, it's so easy to look at, well, this is the way we used to do it. Well, we don't do it that way no more. You know, well, I remember how it used to be 20. Well, I remember 20-some years ago, too. But you know what? We don't do things that way no more. And, you know, your ability to really uh, flow and change and uh, that willingness to flow and change causes you to thrive. That willingness to change causes you to grow. And that willingness to change causes you to see new vision. Not a different vision, a new vision as it relates to being fresh and, and different. And, and different is always good. You know, I don't, uh, I don't really understand how people, and I know people do struggle with change, and I'm not saying you are, but I've never been, I've never been one to struggle with change because I've always looked at change as, <laughs> this is new. And there's new life, and it's new fresh, and you can just sense that being here. And I've I just been so blessed just in the praise and worship. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you're excited. I know I am. <laughs> praise God. Thank God for the youth. Thank God for, for young men of God coming up, preaching the Word of God strong and not backing up. And, you know, not that you are. I'm not simply, I'm not correcting you. It's not my job to correct you. Not that it needs to be corrected. But Pastor Jordan is not Dr. Jacobs. And he's not supposed to be. No, he's not supposed to be. And there's a whole other uh, level in him that's not in Dr. Jacobs because there's a shift. And your ability to go with the shift is so important. Your ability to get over and shift into that and what God is doing, amen, is vital to the strength and vital to the life and vital to thriving in a church. Praise God. You know, you look around and you see the people that are here. Well, in six months, you know, there's going to be more people. And they're, and they're going to be different. And that's good. Amen. And they're going to need help and they're going to need training. And, you know, praise God. And, and, and I tell you, when you're in a church where there's life and there's hope and there's joy and there's peace, man, you don't want to be anywhere else. Praise God. So these are good days. These are awesome days. These are days of power, days of walking in victory, days of thriving, days of change, days of growth, days of increase, amen, and with that all comes increase on every level, increase in the anointing, increase in finances, increase in our body, increase in our life, I mean, there's just increase everywhere, and you can sense it, there's increase in this place, 
And so you want to get in on it. You want to get in and say, Father, I will go. Father, I will flow. Father, I will make the adjustments that need to be made by the Spirit of the living God because it is a new day for all of us. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. It's a new day. Hallelujah. It's been, the days are gone, but it's new now. It's a new time, a new day. Praise God. New days of refreshing. Renew your youth. Renew your vigor. Renew your strength. Hallelujah. Don't step back and not get in. Get in on what God is doing. Hallelujah. It'll be refreshing for you. It'll be, it'll be such a joy for you. And on the other side of that is the blessing, is the increase. Praise God. And every one of you, the life of the church is the people. And when you're full of life, guess when people come in, they're going to get it too. Praise God. And they're going to want to be here and they're going to want to keep on preaching, keep on moving. Praise God. These are great days. Hallelujah. This isn't the end of anything. This is the beginning. This isn't the ending. This is the beginning. Hallelujah. He said, behold, I what? Do a new thing. Well, if he's going to do something new, you've never been here before. I've never been here before. The praise team has never been here before. The church has never been here before. Hallelujah. Amen, 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 amen. That means be done, 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 be done. We want that to be done. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Well, sit down. Praise God. Amen. I tell you, I'm just so blessed. Just when I walk through that door, you could just sense the newness. Pastor Jordan, I'm so proud of you. I just really am. <laughs> you just don't know how proud I am. I'm just so proud of you. So thankful for you and your family. And uh, I tell you, I wouldn't be here today without Dr. Jacobs, Mom Jacobs, and their family. You know, it's one thing to love a ministry, but it's another thing to love the family of the ministry. I love their family. I'm coveted to their family. And I'm just so thankful. That I never left. And you know, in all those years, and even now, there's changes. And I flow with change. But my wife and I are so thankful that we have a man and woman of God that doesn't compromise the word. And then you see the generations coming up behind them. Man, that's such a blessing. That's such a blessing. Praise God. You don't see that everywhere. And so we're just so thankful. Thank you for never quitting. You know, sometimes I think about Dr. Dr. Jacobs and he, some of the times in his early in his ministry, you know, and he was going through a lot of things. Of course, I didn't know. Of course, we prayed for him, but I didn't know a lot of the things, you know. And and all and then you know he would say, you know, I'm just you know felt like quitting at different times. You know, Dr. Hagen said that I feel like quitting a million times in my head. Thank God he didn't. And I sat there, and my wife and I, we would sit there and say, Thank God, Dad, and Mom didn't quit. We wouldn't be here today. You sit and look out on the fruit of this ministry, just not, not the numbers per se, but the depth. Then you look at all the churches that are connected to Dr. Jacobs. What fruit? How blessed you really are. And so I'm just so thankful that you never quit. And he inspires me. He causes me to reach and praise God. And I'm just so thankful. You know, you got to have somebody around you that will help you reach. And people that don't want to change don't want to reach. But people that want to change want to reach. And I tell you, the sky's the limit. Praise God. And we just need to keep reaching. So we're thankful. Thank you for everything you've put in me. 
You and Mom, we love you dearly. Pastor Jordan, I'm excited for you and Pastor Lauren and your family and this church. I tell you, you're in good hands. What are you doing? I don't know. I'm thinking I'm going to preach this. I don't know. <laughs> Just learn to be led by the Holy Ghost. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise God. Being thankful. You know, being thankful is important. Being thankful for what God's doing. Not being critical, but being thankful. Thanking the Lord. Father, thank you that you've allowed me to be part of this. Thank you that you're... You're bringing new, fresh life to us. And not that it, I'm not being critical of what's taking place. I'm just saying anything that comes in, it's new. There's always a refreshing that comes behind it that you can receive. Now, it won't fall on you like a ripe apple off a tree. You'll have to enter into that. I mean, you'll have to say, I'll take it. Somebody next to me don't want it. I want it. I want that refreshing. I want to be refreshed. I want to be blessed. Amen. And I'm flowing with change. I'm flowing and going with wherever we're going, Pastor Jordan, lead on. Because we're flowing with you. Praise God. And that's important. Praise God. And it's also important, and I'm not saying you, 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 know, you haven't done this, but it's also important to let them know. You know, we love you. We're for you. We're going we're to make it, and it's going to be great. We got a lot of things ahead of us. Just like you said, I got more vision than you got money. Believe me, he does. Amen. And all those things are progressive. But you know what? God gives us a big vision because he gives you a small vision. You'd be done tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. So he's got to give you a big vision to keep you going. Praise God. You got a lot of, a lot of room in front of you. Amen. Somebody with a short vision has got a short leash there. You're not going to do much. But you got a big vision. I remember Brother Sumrall. I'm going to get to my notes. Hang on. But I remember Brother Sumrall saying, Lord, give me another world. This one's too small. Not another county. Another world. He'd been all over the world. And he just kept on changing and kept on growing. And he changed. Anytime, anytime he, whatever God was doing, he would change. See, that's important. Whatever God was doing, he would make the change. He said, if God's going with the Lutheran, I'm going with the Lutheran. If God's going with the Catholic, I'm going with the Catholic. I'm going with the Spirit of God, not following a, uh, you know, a denomination or what have you. I'm following the Spirit of God. And that is so important. That we're flowing with the Spirit and what God wants to do. God's wanting to do some things in this place. God's wanting to do some things in this city. And it's been prophesied years ago. Been prophesied years ago of God, a mighty move of God coming through here. Well, why can't we get in on that? Why can't we be the church that God ushers it through? Why can't we reach for that and believe God to use all of us in a supernatural way? Well, that anointing is so drenched on you that you go to your job and it spills over in everybody you reach, everybody you talk to. It hits your work. It hits your place of employment. It hits your family. It hits your life. See, God's just waiting for somebody to step up. God's waiting for somebody to say, you know, I'll move in that flow. I'll get into that flow of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Why not us? If not now, when? If not you, who? Amen. Are you a who? Yeah, praise God, I'm a who. Whosoever. Well, praise the Lord. All right, let's get in the Word. How's that? <laughs> Where are we going? Uh, let's try 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. 
2 Timothy. Let's go over here to 2 Timothy. And we're, uh, you know, uh, I want to talk to you this morning here for a little bit about <clears throat> this isn't anything new and not anything you haven't heard before. But maybe it'll come out differently than you've heard it. If you're making notes, we're going to title this, Walking in Love and Faith. Walking in Love and Faith, or Faith Worketh by Love, if you want to, you want to uh, title it that. In my opinion as a pastor, I think this is one of the leading reasons why people fail to receive from God. It's not walking in love. You've got to see, not that you don't, we've had teaching by Dr. Jacobs for years and years and years on this. But Revelation is progressive. You've got to see in your own life the effects of love. You've got to see in your own life how your love walk impacts everything you do. And I think not walking in love is the single greatest, one of the single greatest reasons why people fail to receive their healing, why people fail to receive their finances, why people fail to receive deliverance. There's all sorts of things that's connected to love and faith. Amen. So as we go through this, uh, you know, you may see something in here that really stands out to you, and you're going to have to make an adjustment. And if you're willing to make an adjustment, praise God, I'm telling you, things will begin to change for you. Because I can tell you, if your love walk is not intact, then your faith is not intact. And so let's take a look at this. Father, we thank you for the word today. We thank you for what you're going to impart into our lives today. And we honor you and thank you. Thank you for the precious Holy Spirit that you sent to indwell us. Thank you, Father, that as we get in the word this morning, the word is getting in us. That we're ready to receive the word of God. And we thank you for it. And everybody said... Amen. Second Timothy one. Look at this in verse. Or Second Timothy one, verse one. And it says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, according to the promise of life, which is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my dearly beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. I thank God, whom I serve from my forefathers, with a pure conscience and without ceasing. Now that's important. What he just said, a pure conscience. I have remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see thee, being mindful of thy tears, that I may be filled with joy. When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith, you should circle that word unfeigned, unfeigned faith that is in thee, which first dwelt in thy grandmother Lois, and then thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that is in thee also. I want you to see what he's saying here in verse number uh, 5. In the New Living Translation, it says this. It says, I remember your genuine faith. For you share the faith that first filled your grandmother, Lois, and your mother, Eunice. And I, I, and I know that that same faith continues strong in you. Another translation says that faith is true in you. Another translation says that faith is sincere in you. So what Paul is saying here is there is a genuine faith. And there is a true faith, just like there is a false or fake faith. When he uses the word unfeigned, the word unfeigned there means sincere, without hypocrisy. It means true, and it means real. So he's talking about real faith. Then if you look at the word feigned, the word feigned means fake, or or not real, or, or false. Does that make sense? And so there is a fake or false faith, and then there's the real faith. Now, look over here in 1 Timothy chapter number uh, 1. 1 Timothy chapter 1. Praise the Lord. 1 Timothy chapter 1, and look at this in verse 5. 
It says, now the end of the commandment is charity. The word charity means love. Out of a pure heart and of a good conscience and a faith unfeigned. Here that word is unfeigned. Or a faith that is pure. Not just a faith, but a faith that is not fake. A faith that is pure. A faith that is real. So notice he says here, now the end of the commandment is charity. Remember what Jesus said over in John chapter 13, verse 34 and 35? He said, a new commandment I give unto you, and that is to love your what? That is to love one another, right? We are to love one another as Christ hath loved us. Isn't that right? He said, this is a new commandment that I give you. The new commandment was to take the place of the Ten Commandments. Because how many of y'all know if you walk in love, you're not going to steal. If you walk in love, you're not going to covet. So Jesus is talking here about love or a new commandment that he's given us. And notice he says here, now the end of the commandment is charity. So the whole premise of this is love. The whole premise of this commandment is love. And then he said, out of a pure heart, of good conscience, and of faith unfeigned, or of faith that is real. The CEV says this, the purpose of this command is for the people to have love. A love that comes from a pure heart and a good conscience and a true faith. So true faith is undergirded by love. And I can tell you, uh, talking about the love of God and how your faith works really needs to be something that we need to hear over and over and over. Because if we don't keep hearing this about the love of God and walking in love with one another, then our flesh always wants to rise up. Our flesh always wants to try to dominate us, our old man. And walking in the love of God towards one another is something we have to continually hear ongoingly all the time. Taking an examination of ourselves, are we really walking in the love of God toward one another? Now, the love of God is not a feeling. We're not talking about feelings. We're not talking about natural feelings. We're talking about the love of God. And he says here that true love is un- or true faith is undergirded by love. So if I'm not walking in the love of God, then guess what's not going to work? Well, let me ask you this. If the devil knows that love or faith works by love, and he knows that if he can get you out of love in any area of your life, guess what he affects? And then if you don't have faith, guess what you're not doing? You're not receiving. So love is, it should be the premier thing that we all think about as it relates to the way we live every day, the way we treat one another. Are we really walking in the love of God? Hallelujah. And so a lot of times what happens is, is people are really trying to operate in a false faith, a fake faith, because it's not undergirded by love. Brother Hagin, in, in one of his meetings, he had a woman that uh, had severe uh, stomach and respir- uh, respiratory problems. And uh, she had been prayed for by all the leading evangelists of her day. And she had heard that Brother Hagen was coming to town. And she made a, a decision that she was going to be in every meeting. He, he was going to be there for a week. And she was going to be there in every meeting that he had. And so as he began to teach on the love of God, and just what I'm teaching you now, on the love of God, And started talking to her. She began to realize the reason why she wasn't receiving is because there was a love issue. There was something that she had against someone. Well, what it was, it was her brother. And for 25 years, she had been at odds with him. 
There was an issue in their life that she did not resolve and it kept her from receiving her healing. Amen. 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 So after, after she, so she, what she did during that week, she called her brother up on the phone and she was able to make amends with him. She repented to him and he repented to her and they forgave one another. Amen. And so what she did during the afternoon of one of those services towards the end of, the, end of the, uh, his meeting, she went and laid down after she had repented and after she made it right with her brother, she laid down and right before the evening service, she gets up out of bed, right? She gets up out of bed. All the symptoms are gone. Every symptom she had had for all those years, she was completely well, completely healed. Nobody laid hands on her at all. Hallelujah. See, this woman, when she was asking God and standing in a prayer line and wanting people to hear her, uh, you know, to receive healing, she was standing in a faith that wasn't genuine. It was a fake faith. It was feigned. It wasn't unfeigned. It was a feigned faith. It was fake. It wasn't real. Why? Because it wasn't undergirded by love. Hallelujah. You're, and faith will not work in an unforgiving heart. It won't work. You can make all the confessions you want to make. You can pray to, you know, all night long. You can have someone lay hands on you till your hair falls off your head. You, I mean, you can just stay with it and stay with it and beg and plead God and say all the scriptures and make all the right confessions. And if Pastor Jordan would talk to you, say, well, I'm confessing this. I'm conf- well, it seems like you're confessing everything you're supposed to be confessing. It's still fake. It's still not a genuine. I'm not saying you are a fake. I'm saying what you're trying to do is not genuine. Because it's not undergirded by love. Therefore, it's short circuits. People try to believe for finances, and they're believing God for finances, yet they're at odds with somebody. So it don't work. People have unforgiveness in their heart towards other people. Therefore, their faith don't work. They make the same confessions, but yet they're not getting any results. They're not walking in love. Hallelujah. So you can't violate, you can't violate the Word of God. Right? And then expect your faith to work. How many of y'all know God is love? He doesn't have love. He is love. And then John 1.1, 1, 1, we know the scripture that in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word of God is God. God is love, God is the Word. So we can't expect to say all the confessions of the Word of love and then not have love towards someone else and expect love to operate in our life. Or expect things to happen in our life because we're at odds with somebody. And really what it's doing, it's hurting you. Sometimes we're critical of things. We're critical of the way things are. And, and, and we are, we're, we're outspoken about things. And we're not walking in love. We always have something to say. And it's never positive. And we, we're wondering about this. We wonder about that. And we don't put a restraint on our mouth. And we're not walking in the love of God. And we're standing there with sickness. Or we're getting a prayer line. And Dr. Jacobs or Pastor uh, Jordan has laid hands on us and I've laid hands on us and we just can't seem to get, get that connection there. Maybe this is one of the reasons why. Maybe we're not walking in love towards one another. Maybe we got a love issue, not, a, not just a partially faith issue where we're confessing the right word. Maybe you even believe the word of God, but if it's not undergirded by love, it's still not genuine. It's still not genuine, which means what? It's still not going to work. Hallelujah. People can confess the word and confess the word. And pastor, I'm saying all those scriptures. I'm saying them 10 times a day. 
Yeah, but what about this person over here? What about this person in your life? What about the way you talk? What about the way you speak? What about the way you speak about others? What about the way you speak in your home? What about how opinionated you are? Is that walking in the love of God? No, I'd say not. So what is he saying here? He's saying real faith, genuine Bible faith is always undergirded by love. Or it's fake. It's not genuine. Now look over here in Galatians. Praise the Lord. You run off on me or are you still here? Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. And I want you to see this here. Galatians chapter 5 verse 6. This is a familiar passage. It says, For in Jesus Christ neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision, but faith which worketh by love. Notice faith. So he's saying, you know, he's really referring back here to the law. And really that walking in love is the fulfillment of the law. How many of y'all know that? So notice he says, for in Jesus Christ, or in that anointing, in his sacrifice, neither circumcision avails anything or uncircumcision. But faith, which worketh, notice it worketh, it operates through the channel of love. Now the Amplified says this, For if we are in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything. But only faith, listen to this, activated and energized and expressed and working through love. I'm going to read it again. For if we, excuse me, if we are in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything. But only faith activated and energized. Notice faith is activated, faith is energized, and faith is expressed. Not just in a confession. It's expressed in what? Love. So what energizes, what activates, what really expresses is faith is what? Love. So walking in the love of God is what empowers your faith. And when we're walking in the love of God, there, there's an empowerment there. Hallelujah. That's what makes your faith strong. Yes, praying in the Spirit will build your faith, but walking in the love of God makes your faith work. And Brother Hagin, that's why Brother Hagin would say, I pay more attention to my love walk than I do my faith walk. Why? Because faith works by love. And if I'm out of love with my wife, I'm out of love with pastor, I'm out of love with you, then I can do all the confessions in the world and it's not going to work for me because my faith will not work in an unforgiving, resentful, out of love, out of sorts with someone else. So you just got to be honest with yourself. If you're not receiving, it's not on God's side. If you're not receiving, it's never on His side. It's always on our side. If we're not receiving those things and we've been standing and standing and standing and standing, maybe this is an area of our life that we need to examine again. Are you here? Praise the Lord. Brother Hagin also said this. He knew that a step out of love was a step out of faith. And how many of y'all know you're not going to receive apart from your faith? Now look at this in Matthew. We got a few scriptures I want to run. Matthew chapter 9, I want you to see this. Doctor brought this up uh, in mentoring class uh, the other day, or actually yesterday. 
And I want you to see this. It says in Matthew chapter 9, verse 27, And when Jesus departed thence, two blind men followed him, crying and saying, Thou son of David, have mercy on us. And when he was come into the house, the blind men came to him. And Jesus saith unto him, Believe. This word believe is the same word for faith. If you look up it in the Greek, it's the same word as the real word faith. He says, Believe ye that I'm able to do this. They said, Yes, Lord. Then touched he their eyes and said, According. Now notice he says, According. He didn't say because I'm the son of God. He said according to your faith, be it unto you. Or we can say in conjunction with your faith. Everything that you receive from God, you receive it on the basis of faith. You don't receive it on the basis of works. You don't receive it on the basis of you earning it. You receive it on the basis of your faith. And Jesus said according to your faith. You don't receive it because you're a Christian. You don't receive it because you go to a great church. You don't receive it because you got a good pastor. You receive it when you are receiving it by faith. Are you with me? So we see the love, how important love is. You got to see how important love is to your faith. I can't afford to get out of love with nobody. I can't afford to have my love walk compromised. I can't allow my love walk to, 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 to be hindered to a point where I need to believe God for something or for a family or for difficult situation or whatever. Amen. And not have my faith there ready to go. I was thinking about years, you know, several years back when my grandbaby had a brain tumor. I couldn't afford to be in out of love right then with nobody. And this is something I think about all the time. And I learned from my dad. He said, I've always been quick to forgive and quick to repent. And I use that same motto, that same premise, that same thing to help me to know when someone does something, I'm quick to forgive and I'm quick to repent myself if I need to. And I can't imagine years ago when she was having a brain tumor and I would be going to God saying, Father, I need you a miracle here. Father, I need you to help my granddaughter. Well, you know, when, I was, when she was in that need and I was in a, I was thinking I was with you, Dad, somewhere. Well, we, we were together. Yeah. And I was in a hotel there. Yeah, and an angel came into my hotel room. Now, an angel didn't come just because Isabella was sick. An angel would not have left without me walking in love. I could have been confessing and confessing and confessing. You know what God would have done to me first? He would have brought up that situation in my life where I needed to make it right first so that my confession would be right. Hallelujah. See, I can't afford to get out of love with people. So it's something I'm thinking about all the time. And you may be sitting here today and going, well, Pastor, you know, I walk in love with everybody. Well, we're going to see here in a minute. I don't have any unforgiveness in my heart. We're going to see here in a minute. Because I can tell you, if any of this touches you today in your heart, you need to get it right. Because it is your faith on the line. I've seen people get buried because of this. Buried. Yeah. Because they refuse to walk in love. And Jesus said, here, according to your faith. Well, without your faith, you're not going to receive. And without your faith being undergirded with love, you're not going to receive. Look at this in Matthew 22. Praise the Lord. Matthew chapter 22. Notice what Jesus says here. Matthew 22. And verse 36, it says here, Master, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus saith unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God 
with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first and, and, great, and great commandment. And the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Now watch this. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. So what is he saying? On these two things hang everything. These are the two things on which everything is hung. Your love walk and your faith. He said everything is attached to that. all that in the law. Everything the prophets had said. I could even say this. Everything written in the epistles. Everything that's written in the word of God. All hangs on this, this point of walking in the love of God. Amen. And walking by faith. Jesus said everything hinges on these two. Is that what Jesus just said? He said everything hinges on these two things. Me walking in the love of God. Amen. Towards my brother. Now let's go over here and get into this a little bit. 1 Corinthians 13. Just wanted to lay a brief foundation there. There's so many other scriptures we can use, but <clears throat> think about this. 1 Corinthians 13. Of course, we know this is the love chapter. But there's so much revelation in here. Is this helping you? Yes. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. I want to be a help today. I'm not trying to be critical. I'm not trying to get on you. I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to help you analyze your own life to see if there's some real things in there that really you need to deal with that's going to hinder you from receiving. I don't know about you, but I want to receive everything God has for me. And I don't want any hindrances. And I don't want any blockages. And I don't want any things in my, in my life that's hindering me from receiving all that Jesus paid for. And if I'm not receiving it, I want to know why. So it says in 1 Corinthians 13, it says, though, verse 1, Though I speak with tongues of men and angels and have not charity, no, that's another word for love, I am become a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and, and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remo remove mountains and have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. Now notice, think about the implications of this verse. Notice he says here, you could, you could feed the poor. Let me just break this down for you. He says here, these three verses. Think about the implications of what he's saying. He is saying that you could feed the poor all the days of your life. You go to the uh, grocery, I was going to say H-E-B, y'all don't have H-E-B around here, that's Texas, sorry. You can go to your Kroger's, we don't have Kroger's. You can go to Kroger's and buy food for somebody every day. You can have all faith where you're literally moving mountains. You can operate in the gifts of the Spirit, which he's mentioning here too. You can operate in the gifts, you can feed somebody, you can do all these works, and you can even give your life up for somebody else. But he says... If you don't love someone else, there's no rewards. It profits you nothing. Somebody's getting profited by, they're getting fed. You're getting nothing for that because of your love walk towards someone else. You could work back here in the, in the children's church. You could, you, God could even use you because we're talking about people operating in the gifts of the Spirit. 
We could be back here in the nursery. We could be back here in the, uh, the you know, children's church. And, and, and you're a teacher. And you're laying hands on them. And they're getting healed. And God's using you in a tremendous way. God said, you still don't get no rewards. Because your love walk is not intact. Oh, will God use you? Yes, because he loves people. The gifts of the Spirit is not an endorsement of the person. And so God can use you. You could stand up and give a word. You could stand up and give a tongue, an interpretation of tongue. God could use you in miracles. God could, blind eyes could open. But God said, that's great. They're healed, but you get nothing. Isn't that what he just said? It profits you. What's the word profit mean? There's no benefit. It profits you nothing. So the first thing we ought to be doing before we try to offer any service to God is to check our heart. To make sure that our service is a service of love. Be on the platform doing what you're doing up there. If, if it's not undergirded by love, he said, it means nothing. God said, don't mean anything to me. I am not going to take your service. No, I am not going to reward you for what you're doing when you have odds with somebody else. It's not acceptable. That's what he's saying. Now, we may not look at that that way, but that's exactly what he's talking about. You think about what a sacrifice, someone standing there burning their body for someone. Oh, they're just so sad. Yeah, but if they didn't do it with love undergirding it, all they did was get burned up. Is that right or is that wrong? Now, let's see what walking in the love of God is. Look at verse 4. I'm going to read this from the Amplified, just a few verses. Verse 4, if you don't have Amplified, just listen to me. It says, love endures long and is patient. Are we love? Are we patient with people? And is kind. Love never is envious nor boils over with jealousy. Is not boastful or vainglorious. Does not display itself haughtily. It is not conceited, arrogant, and inflated with pride. It is not rude, unmannerly, and does not act unbecomingly. Love, God's love in us, does not insist on its own rights or its own way. It is not self-seeking. It is not touchy or fretful and resentful. It takes no account. Listen to this. The love of God takes no account of an evil done to it. It pays no attention to a suffered wrong. Now, natural human love can't do that. But the love of God can. And the love of God, according to Romans 5, 5, says that the love of God has already been shed abroad in your heart. I remember someone asking Brother Hagin one time, he said he had lunch with these men and they were all sitting around the table and they were talking about, well, what we need is more love. We need more love for one another. We need, we need to teach our church that we need to love. We need more love. We need a revival of love. And Brother Hagin said he didn't say a word. And he said they, when they were done talking about how we need more love, we need more love, we need more love, they said, what do you think about that? He said, I think all y'all need to get saved. He said, the love of God's already been shed abroad in your heart. What we need is to develop in the love that's already been put in us. The love that's already there. How many of y'all know it's a fruit of the Spirit? Fruit don't grow on its own. Fruit can grow. So he's talking here not about, he's not talking about a natural love because natural love changes. A natural love, you can be in love and one night be in hate the next day. I love you, can't stand you. 
I thought you loved them. I did yesterday. I'll love them today. See, it's, it's fickle. It goes back and forth. It's up and down, in and out. It's not positive. It's not consistent. God's love is. God's love never fails. God's love never quits. God's love never stops. God's love's always the same. So that always the same God kind of love is already on the inside of you. Waiting to be developed. But notice he says here, this kind of love takes no account of an evil done to it. It pays no attention of a suffered wrong. And this is where many in the body of Christ miss it. They hold on to things. Now listen to me for the next little bit. They hold on to things and they won't let it go. Do you know that you, God showed me this and it just really blessed me. He said, do you know that you can forgive someone but still not walk in love toward them? I started thinking about that. I said, now say that again. He said, you can forgive somebody and still not walk in love towards them. You still got an attitude towards them. You still got awed against them. You still look at them and you got an attitude towards them. Well, it's getting quiet in this church. (laughs) So you may have forgiven them. You say, well, I've forgiven them. But there's still that something there. And you know what it's going to affect? Y'all been listening the last 40 minutes, 30 minutes? Faith. It's going to affect your faith. It's going to affect you receiving healing, you receiving answers, you receiving deliverance, you receiving on your side. See, it's not worth it. Hallelujah. And the love of God doesn't do that. The love of God forgives. It's already in you. The love of God forgives and forgets. Now watch this in 1 John 1. You know the scripture. I'm getting on it now. Praise God. We're coming down where you're living. 1 John, look at this. 1 John 1. Or you might know somebody. Amen. You could elbow your neighbor. No, don't do that. I'm just kidding. You say, I'm going to get the tape for this person. They really need to. 1 John 1. 1 John 1. Look at this. Now, that's not the love of God to do that, right? The love of God forgives and forgets. Now, here's a scripture for that, 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, this is interesting because the word forgive in the Greek means to send away. It means to let go. Here's a good word. It means to release them. I release you. Hallelujah. And it means to yield it up. So when we repent, that's what happens with us. When we repent, we go to God. How many of y'all know we go to God, we want mercy. When we go to God, we want grace. When we go to God, we don't want Him to have odds against us. We don't want God to say, I forgive you, but don't even look at me. We don't want, we don't want partial forgiveness. We want the whole wad. We want it all, man. We don't, we don't want God to say, well, I forgive you, son, but don't even talk to me right now. Don't even look at me right now. No, he doesn't say that. God said, I've forgiven you, son, and I've released you. See, some of y'all need to release some people out of your life. I release them in the name of Jesus. And when we repent, that's exactly what God does for us. He forgives you, but he lets it go. He lets it go. He releases it. He sends it away. Now, you can't do that with your natural love. you got to do that from the love of God, which is a decision. I decide to let it go. 
When I decide to let it go, my mind may cause me some trouble initially, but I got to go back over on the Word of God and say, no, the Word of God said it. I said it. I release them in Jesus' name. By faith, I walk in love with all people, and the more and more you develop in that love, the more aware you will be of that, that you are doing it right. But when you start out first, your mind, it's got to get renewed. We got to renew our mind to this. Is everybody with me? So he's, what is he saying here? He said, when you come to me, I forgave you. I released you. I let it go. And if we're not careful, you know what? That's what we don't do. We forgive others, but we do so only partially. Instead of releasing them and let them go, we often hold on to what it is. We hold on to it. Amen. That kind of forgiveness is not the kind of forgiveness we've received. What did Jesus say? Freely you have received. Freely give. You need to give it. Holding on to something against your brother will only cause you to not receive. Sometimes we hold on to things against our parents. We hold on to things that they did to us, whether that was an abuse, whether they hurt us or they abused us or something took place. And we say, oh, we forgive them, but we're still holding on to it. Holding on to what they did. Oh, I forgive them, Pastor. I forgive them. But yet, when you're quiet, it's still there. Because you've never released them. Praise the Lord. Sometimes you blame other people for the way your life is now. You blame a dad that wasn't in your life. You, or your dad or somebody did something wrong. Or they did something that affected you. So then you start looking at your own life thinking the reason why my life looks like this is because of them. So, yeah, you forgive them, but you still hold on to it. And it's still affecting you today. Because you've never by faith said, Father, I release them, and I will not hold on to it no more in the name of Jesus. This is why people's faith don't work. Sometimes you blame yourself. You've never released yourself. Something takes place in your life or something happens and you go, and the devil goes, you're the blame for this. I remember when my dad died at 59. I'm 50 years old. I know I don't look it, but I am. But I remember my dad, when he was 59 years old, had tubes coming out of his body. 59 years old. And he passed, and Dr. Jacobs was with me. And the first thing the devil said, you're the blame for this. Thank God for a godly woman. She came to my aid. She knew right there at the bedside. She said, what are you doing? She goes, well, she knew the devil attacked my mind right then. He said, you're the blame for this. You didn't pray long enough. You should have done this. You should have done that. If you would have done this, this wouldn't have happened. And my wife told me, she said, don't you blame yourself for this. See, and I already knew he was going to die. God told me that two weeks before he died. I knew he was going to die. He said, there's nothing you can do. He's coming home. Just prepare your family. But yet in that moment, when I seen him leave, the enemy attacked me. And I could have held on to that. And I said, no, you don't, devil. No, you don't. And sometimes what we do is we hold on to things. And we go run it through our mind. And we think about how we failed and what we should have done differently. And if I would have done this, then this is what. And it's affecting your faith. It affects revelation. It affects how you live. It's going to affect every part of your life. It affects your relationship with other people. It will affect how you deal with human beings. 
And it's right there on the inside of your heart. Oh, we bury it well. And we bury it down where nobody knows it. And we laugh and we act like we're all that. And we act like everything's okay. But then when the lights go out and the real deal comes there, it festers up and you still got it on the inside of you. But you never released yourself. I just can't believe I did that. Well, you did. I just can't believe my dad would do that to me. Well, he did. I can't believe this took place in my life. Well, and I'm not endorsing that. I say it's terrible. It's horrific. It's, ter- it's awful. But we're not talking about them. We're talking about you. We're talking about your faith. We're talking about walking in love. We're talking about you. And he said right there, if you have ought against no one, there's no profit for you. No profit. Hallelujah. And sometimes we have, to re- we have to release them. We have to release them. And I tell you, I was talking to somebody in our church before, and I was sitting there listening to them, and the Holy Ghost told me, they said their problem is they've never forgiven themselves. So I'm listening to all these things that's completely in order, and everything should be, I mean, there's absolutely no reason why you shouldn't be oh, get on the other side of this. And God said they've never forgiven themselves. And I said, let me ask you a question. I said, uh, this situation, I said, did you ever forgive yourself? And they went, no, sir. I said, that's the problem. You've never forgiven yourself. You take responsibility because the devil tells you it's your fault. And I said, you're not going to be able to be the man that God's called you to be until you release it. And I let him in a prayer. Didn't feel a thing. Praise God. We don't go by our feelings. And he said it was like a whole weight just lifted off my life. Completely changed his life. Because he was holding something against himself. How many of y'all know we can look back on our own life and see situations in our life where we could have done that differently? I wish I would have done this differently. Well, you didn't. And I'm not saying that to be smart, but we did it. When are we ever going to get to the point where we say, you know what? It is what it is, but my faith is on the line here. My future's on the line here. Everything's on the line. I am going to let it go once and for all. Get rid of it. What's on the line? Love and your faith. So when the Lord told me, he said, you know, you can forgive somebody and still hold on to it. It made absolute sense to me then. Because we can easily confess by faith out of our heart, say, yeah, we forgive you, but yet when we see them, it's... There's a strain. We don't want to talk to you. We forgive you, but we don't like you. (laughs) And then we hold on to that. And you know what? It starts affecting us over time? Us. Your immune system breaks down. Your body begins to break down. Your finances break down. Things break down around you. And it's all because you made a decision to hold something against somebody that God said release. I used to think in my life, because, you know, I used to think this in my life. It's not a right way of thinking. But I used to think, you know, if I forgive somebody, somehow that helps them. I'm not going to forgive them. That's, I mean, that's a wrong way of thinking. But I would think if I, if I forgive them, they're blessed. I ain't, uh-uh, they ain't, they ain't going to be blessed. And I used to think if I forgive them, somehow, here, here's another thing. If I forgive them, somehow it made it right. 
somehow, and some, this is the way people think, I'm not going to forgive them, Pastor, because somehow in my thinking that if I forgive them, somehow I'm endorsing that and I'm saying it's okay that they abused me. It's okay that they did that. And that's not what I'm saying at all. Forgiveness has nothing to do with the other person. It has everything to do with you. And when you release them, you're releasing them out of your life. It doesn't endorse what they did. Of course it's wrong. We would never say that. And I had somebody in my church, a woman that way, that was abused just multiple times by her dad and her uncle and sexually abused her. Just troubled girl. They counseled her for almost an hour, and, and that's what it came to, you know. She said some... She goes, it's just not right. I said, no, I'm not endorsing what they did. But I'm not talking about them. I'm talking about you. I'm talking about you getting free from this. You releasing them out of your... I don't want to, Pastor. I would rather... That's what she said. I would rather go to hell than to forgive them. I said, that's not you talking. That's your hurt. That's not in your heart. You just listen to what I got to tell you. And then ended up leading her into a prayer, and she forgave and got rid of all that. That wasn't her talking. It didn't alarm me. It's just sometimes people get hurt. They just say things. They don't mean those things. They're just hurt. And then sometimes we do forgive, but yet we hold on to things. I wish I wouldn't have made that decision. I wish I would have, you know, they, they, you know, we connect it to something, and we hold on to it and hold on to it and hold on to it, and we won't let it go. Then we wonder why we don't receive. We wonder why we don't get. We wonder why things don't happen. We wonder why our bodies are still riddled. We wonder why our finances are still broke. We wonder why we go from place to place, place to place. We never get settled. We're never normal. And this is why. Because we don't pay attention to our love walk. We pay attention to our faith. We've got to make sure we confess everything right. No, don't say that. That's doubt, that's fear, and it's an unbelief. See, we've been trained to know that. Right? Don't say that. Don't die early. Don't say you hate. Right? I hate that. Don't say hate. That's a bad word. Let me give you the Greek explanation for the word hate. This is what it means. Right? We can break it down, baby. We break it down, all those Greek words. We know what that means. Don't talk like that. But yet on the inside, we've still got things holding on, holding on, holding on, holding on. And we don't understand. Every time we get on a prayer line, we go back the same way. And we just hold on to it. And guess what? Your faith don't work. Your faith don't work. Well, I'm confessing all the right things. Don't doubt it a bit. But what about the person you have odds towards? What about the person you're blaming your life for what they did. Well, I'm where I'm at today because of them. No, 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 no. No. You better release them. Better let it go. It's costing you everything. Look over here in Ephesians. Well, I hope it's helping you. What do we do? We hold on to offenses. We hold on to our hurts. We hold on to them. And you know, Jesus said in Matthew 24, the first thing that comes is an offense. Then when it comes to offense, it becomes to what? Betrayal. Then it comes to, uh, was it death or murder? Hate. So there's a progression in it. 
We hold on to it and we bury it. I can't tell you how many times I, I talk to people. And this, these are root things. And I found as a pastor, pastoring people, now sometimes it is confession, but a lot of times it's much deeper. Much deeper. That's right. They've been taught to confess the word. And if it's just confessing the word, my gosh, we ought to have everything we want just by confessing the word. That's exactly right. Ain't that right? I mean, we ought to be proficient in confession. But then we go, well, we confess and nothing happens. Well, maybe this is an issue. Maybe there's something there that you've never allowed anybody to deal with. Maybe your husband or spouse don't even know when all the lights are out how you feel about you. How about self-hatred? People hate themselves. Hate themselves. They look in the mirror. They can't, see, can't stand to look in the mirror at their own self, their own life. And they hold that against their own life, and they won't let it go, and they stay there. And they hear preaching of how you can have and how you can do and how you can be and how you can do this and all these wonderful things of the Spirit that belong to you, but you never see it show up in your life. You never see it ever happening with you. Everybody around you, but not you. And then you start thinking about your own life and you say, well, you know, because you, know, you know you. But you're knowing you after the spirit or after the flesh instead of the spirit. So your faith don't work. Now look at this in Ephesians. You all right? I'll be done here in a few minutes. Ephesians, I'm going to sew you up here in a minute. Hang on. <laughs> You're on the operating table. We're going to get some, we're going to get down in there. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 6, look at this. These are real issues. And, yeah. You know, unless we get to the real issue, you know, you got to get to the root of it. You got to get to the root of it. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. Look at this in Ephesians 6. Now, this is Paul speaking here. And, of course, Paul was a Roman soldier and, and he understood armory and he understood weapons. And so he's going into this description of our uh, spiritual armory. But he's also connecting it to a natural soldier. Does that make sense? So he's using natural armory stuff to describe things of the spirit. But this is important as it relates to our faith. Now watch this. It says, finally, brethren, uh, verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Notice it's the power of his might, not yours. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles. That's the deceit or the schemes or the things the devil comes against you, which is some of what we're talking about. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principality, against powers, against the rulers and darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand, therefore having your loins girt about you with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Watch this in verse 16. Above all, circle that word, this is an important word. Above all, take the shield of faith wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. See, all these different darts and all these different things coming at us, thoughts, situations. Notice he says, above all, take up the shield of faith. Now, this word above all, uh, in the Greek, I'm not trying to impress you by that, by saying that, but saying it, above all, the word above all in the Greek does not mean the most important. That's not a, the Greek meaning of this word. This, 
This word above all is describing the position of faith, not the importance of faith. This word above all in the Greek means out in front and around. So he's describing your position of faith. Now you think about that for a minute. If my faith is out in front of me and around me, undergirded by love, then it's able to take care of all the fiery darts. Those scud missiles coming in. And it's hitting my faith. Now Paul in this particular verse here, if you go study this out, and I'm not trying to impress you by saying this. I'm trying to show you how important your faith is. That's the whole premise of this. But when you look at a Roman soldier, the most important part of their armory was their shield. Nothing was more important to them than their shield. More important than the sword, more important than anything. And what they would do is when a person be, 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 would join the Roman legions, the, the, arm, armor, uh, the army, the first thing they would do is they would measure the shield to their life, to their, you know, I'm like 6'1", so my shield, and the shield always went from the nose all the way down. So it was out in front of them and around them. This shield was so important. That's why the Bible says we've been given the measure of faith. It's measured to you and what you're going to accomplish. So there's a measurement there. So I measured, so in other words, this shield would go from here all the way down, and it was supposed to be in front of them, and around them. Did you ever see that when they went to war, they would take and they would put their shield out and put it in the ground? Right? They had two shields. They had a round shield that was more decorative that they used for parades. This shield they would use to go to war. And they would put those shields on and they would put it out in front of them and all the darts would hit this shield. It never touched them. Think about how important your faith is. And what happened with this shield, what, it, what, what, what they would do is most of the time, not always, but a lot of it was overlaid in leather. It was overlaid in leather. It had metal in between it, metal on the ends, and even on the fringe. And it was overlaid in leather. First thing they did whenever they uh, was in the army, they issued them this shield, and then they talked to them about how to take care of their shield. And if you go back and study this, what they would do is every day in peacetime, they weren't at war, but they were always preparing. And they would take this oil and they would lay it in the leather and they would go over it constantly to make that, to make that leather so soft that whenever a, a dart or an arrow would hit it, it would be extinguished. So they were taking care of this leather every single day. They would go and they would take care of the leather. They would wipe the oil in it. They would put it in water and peel it up out of the water. Then they would redo it and redo it. So then when it came time for them to go to war... Their shield was ready to go. It wasn't, I got to go get it. I got to go fix it. No, they were ready to go. So what Paul is saying here is we need to value our faith to the point that we're protecting it, that we're watching over it. How would I protect over my faith? Protect over my love walk. And every day I'm applying new oil. I'm applying that to my shield of faith every day, thinking about faith thinking about my shield, thinking about how this is supposed to be out in front of me and around me protecting my life. And yet if they didn't do that and they didn't, and they didn't take care of their shield, that shield would become brittle. And when that shield became brittle, when a fiery dart hit it, it would explode and blow up. Amen. And these fiery darts, what they're talking about is back in those days, they would take long darts and they'd hollow them out and they'd put liquid in them. So then they would fire them when they would fire it and hit that shield and it would explode. And you never knew which one was a fiery dart. 
So this, this dart would come in and hit it, and it would extinguish it because they had taken care of their faith. They're watching over their faith. And when they're watching over their faith, it's like when that scud, that thought comes in. Well, you should have did this. You should have did that. When I'm taking care of my faith and I'm taking care of my love walk, guess what? It's extinguished. I don't allow it to hit me. I don't allow it to touch me. I don't allow it to touch my life. Because I'm thinking about my faith and how important my faith is and how important my love walk is. So I'm taking care of my faith every day. Thinking about my faith every day. Working on my faith every day. Not just my confession, my love walk. Working on your faith every day goes beyond confession. Working on your faith every day connects to your love walk. Am I at odds with someone else? Am I in unforgiveness towards someone else? Am I holding on to something that I've been holding on to for years and years and years? Well, you got that brittle shield of faith. It's not being tended to. It's dried up. It's brittle. And it won't protect you. Amen. And so when you're talking about the love of God, and you're talking about walking in love with other people, look what's on the line. He said, if you take care of your shield, son, and you get it greased down real good, and you protect it and watch over it, It'll be out in front of you. It'll be out around you. It's not in the backside of it because we don't back up. We keep moving forward. It's out in front of you. It's out around you. So go ahead, scuds on. Because when it hits your faith, amen, it hits that shield of faith because it's undergirded by love. Guess what? It's extinguished. So then what happens when you hear something in the body or someone does something to you, it's extinguished. Because you know what? We choose to forgive. We choose to walk in love. That I can't afford to get out of my love walk. I can't afford to get over into strife. I can't afford to get over into that. I'm walking by faith. I'm walking by love. Amen. So when we're talking about walking by faith, we're talking about walking by love. And now it should make sense to you why Brother Hagin said, I pay more attention to my love walk than I do my faith walk. Because if all I'm concerned about is my confession, but I'm not concerned about what it's undergirded by, it doesn't really matter that I have it. It wouldn't really matter that you had a shield if you didn't take care of it. Oh, you got one, but it didn't do you any good. All those fiery darts are hitting you in the mind, hitting you in the life, and having its way in your life. And this is what you call closing a door. And when you close a door, now it could be that you need to forgive. That's a whole other teaching, but it involves that. Or it could be that, yeah, you know what, Pastor, I have forgiven them, but you know what, it still bothers me and I've held on to it and I've never released them. And I think about that all the time, how they, it's been because of them. And I, I, I you know, un, unknowingly, really, I, I'm blaming someone else. And I'm mad about what they did. I'm mad about what they did. I forgave them, but I'm still mad. I still have it against them. You got to let it go. Nothing is more important than forgiving and moving forward. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. You know, and I'll close with this. Uh, There's a pastor that, uh, talking really about forgiveness, but there was a pastor, I think it's fitting here, that was a Nigerian pastor that was at a Reinhardt Bunky meeting. You may have heard that guy was raised from the dead for several days. And uh, Reinhardt Bunky didn't pray for him. He went to that meeting, and they laid him in the bottom of the building, and They got him out. His wife was carrying him in a casket, I think, for three days. She took him out of the morgue. 
I watched a video on it. And he travels all over the world now and talk, tells people about the, what happened to him. But the thing that really stood out to me about this whole situation is uh, not just that, but uh, he was saying that during that time where he was gone, uh, when he died, he went to heaven and he went to hell. And when he was in hell, he was standing in hell, and the devil or the, an angel was with him, and the angel was telling him why these people were in hell, the pain they were going through, the hurt they were going through, why they were doing what they did. So he was connecting it. And so he was standing there, and this is a pastor. Had his own church. And the, and the angel looked at him, and he said, if, the, if, the, if the, um, the story of your life would end today, this would be your place. And he said, no, there, there's no way. That can't be. He goes, I'm a pastor. I'm born again. I'm filled with the Spirit. No, that you, you're mistaken. He said, when you were in the ambulance, he said, you, 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 when you were in the ambulance the first time going to the hospital, you said you wouldn't forgive your wife. And see, now we're not just talking about someone don't know what they're doing. So at least you misunderstand me. I'm not talking about just someone says, no, I'm not going to forgive. And they don't know what they're doing. He knew what he was doing. He was a pastor. That's a different story. Are you with me? And so he said, if the story of your life ended today, this would be your place. He said, when you were in the ambulance, you said you wouldn't forgive your wife. And he said, you cannot sow unforgiveness to man and reap forgiveness from God. That's heavy. Because I think sometimes we think we can live any way we want, do whatever we want, and there's no, uh, there's no consequences. Now, that's an extreme case, I grant you. And most of the time, people would never qualify for that. But the point of the matter is, is here, this is how important it is to release somebody and to forgive them. And I'm not saying you're going to go to hell if you haven't forgiven anybody. Don't, don't misunderstand what I'm saying. All I'm saying is this is a situation that here's the case in point, that this guy says it out of his mouth, that this is what happened to me, and this is what the angel told me. What, well, doesn't that line up with Scripture? Absolutely. Remember the guy that was forgiven much but wouldn't forgive somebody of a little menial thing? And Jesus said, if you do so, you'll be turned over to the tormentors, which are evil spirits. Didn't he say in Mark eleven twenty three through 25, when you stand praying, forgive, that your heavenly Father will forgive you? So you cannot sow unforgiveness and reap forgiveness. And when we have ought against someone or against our own self, we can't sow that. You're sowing that. And then reap healing and reap finances and reap the blessing from God. That don't add up. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Did you get some help today? Well, let's all stand up this morning. Praise the Lord.